What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So I know I told you guys we weren't going to have an episode this week, and we would have one last week, but my life kind of imploded in the last two weeks. So I just happened to be at my mom's house two Mondays ago, and she straight up, like, her heart just stopped. So I, like, see her, I find her, she's purple, she's blue. I search for a heart rate, her heart is not even beating nothing. So I rip her onto the ground, I start CPR, I break my mom's fucking ribs doing CPR, but I mean, that's normal. If you're doing CPR right, you're going to break some ribs. I initially got her heart rate back, like, very, very slightly, and then it stopped again. And I, I got 911 on the phone, and paramedics got here in like four minutes, and they did CPR for 22 minutes, and started slamming epinephrine and adrenaline and starting fluids. They got her heart rate back, um, but she never regained consciousness. So yesterday, we had to make the decision to go and uh, discontinue life support, so my mama left this world yesterday around three o'clock. It was a shitty decision and the whole experience fucking sucked just because of the hospital she went to. It's called Dameron Cardiac Hospital in Stockton. I swear to God, people don't ever, if your family member ever has any type of emergency, don't go there. Direct the ambulance somewhere else, even if it's further away. I had no idea. I've never even heard of this hospital before she was sent there. But later on, I decided to look it up and it has like a C rating. Their fucking ICU is terribly rated. Apparently they have problems with their controlled drugs because their nurses are a bunch of dumb cunt junkies. Let me tell you about their registered nurses. These bitches have like a two-year fucking nursing degree and they're going to sit there and give me an attitude and just fucking be total bitches the whole time. Fuck you bitches if you hear this. I seriously doubt you do because you're fucking all about the official line on everything. But yeah, fuck you. Anyway, the doctors there were literally trying to get me to uh, stop the life support the night she had this complete cardiac arrest. Like, no shit. And the American Medical Association, the American Cardiac Association, you're supposed to wait seven days. Now, I knew my mom was gone. The second time I lost her heart rate, I fucking, I knew. I felt some energy change. I knew she was gone. But... My brother had to fly in from Alaska. We had family that had to come here. And I'm like, no, you're not going to discontinue shit. Keep this woman heart going. Keep Do what you got to do. Keep her here until my brother can come. Every single day, these people harassed me to put a DNR and to stop the life support. Finally, I had to get all fucking bitchy on their head of the ICU to get these people to leave me the fuck alone about it. Like, dude, we got insurance. We told you our wishes. We need seven days. This shit is all very shocking. But what I can take away from this whole experience, you guys, fucking A, learn CPR. And B, don't just take what these doctors and nurses tell you. Don't take that as the word of God. Do your own research. I'm always telling you that. But it's especially true when you have some sort of a medical crisis with a family member. Because I guarantee you, they wouldn't have disconnected their own mother or family member in the first six hours of this happening. They would have waited and done, you know, an EEG, done all kind of brain tests. 
but they're super quick to disconnect everyone else's family. And if you don't look into what is actually happening, if you don't read all the available medical studies, you're not going to have a full picture of what's going on, and you'll probably question your choices for the rest of your life. Now, in the last week, I've read way more studies on cardiac coma patients than I ever thought I would, but after reading them, I felt much more comfortable in my decision to discontinue my mom's life support. So Godspeed, Mama. We love you. But that kind of like leads me into what we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to talk about the American Medical Association, how it's a total fucking fraud run by political twats and not actual healers. So I'll also give you some options so you can educate yourself on alternative medical remedies and cures, homeopathy, stuff like that. Don't discount it just because it's not fucking Western medicine. You have no idea the millions of dollars the American Medical Association has sunk into propaganda against natural medicine. So sit back and get ready for this. Okay, guys, so to break this down, I'm going to have to take you back all the way to 1910 and the so-called Flexner Report. Now, John D. Rockefeller had already made his millions and millions in oil at this time, and he now had set his sights on American medicine. He knew that he had all these pharmaceutical companies in his pocket. He also had the other so-called elites with him and the U.S. government. So in 1910, Rockefeller paid Abraham Flexner to visit all the medical schools in the United States at the time, and that's when he released the so-called Flexner Report, which called for the standardization of medical education and concluded there were too many doctors and medical schools in America. Now at this time, Rockefeller also had his grubby little hands all over the media in the United States. And he used this control to generate public outcry at the findings of the report, which, as you guys know, is just total fucking classic elite strategy. So it ultimately led Congress to declare the American Medical Association the only body with the right to grant medical school licenses in the United States. So this suited Rockefeller perfectly. He then used the AMA to compel the government to destroy natural competition, natural medicine, which it did through regulating medical schools. Flexner Report promoted standardization of medical education. So after the Flexner Report, the AMA only endorsed schools with a drug-based curriculum. So after that, it didn't take very long for all non-allopathic schools to fall by the wayside due to lack of funding. Rockefeller also had a monopoly on drugs and big pharma, and Rockefeller medicine was born. And since the 1910s, it has only grown more powerful, more deadly, and having more control over the government and our citizens since then. I mean, we all know they routinely bribe doctors to prescribe their toxic ass pills. We all know that these jabs are killing people. But because the FDA and so many other government organizations are all in the pockets with each other, with a little fucking medical association, they all go hand in hand. 
We all know this is not a system that is designed to heal people. So Rockefeller, the AMA, and Big Pharma are now all key aspects of the New World Order. And that's not even conspiracy land. That's fucking just like fact at this point. But it literally all started back with the Flexner Report. When we're told that vitamins are pseudoscience, we need to look at the Flexner Report. When we find out doctors don't know dick about nutrition and they never try to tell their patients how important good nutrition is, look back to the Flexner Report. Most of the problems we have in American medicine today stem from the Rockefellers and the Flexner Report. And you guys, it's not just America. The Rockefeller Foundation was also able to conquer foreign countries and entire continents for the pharmaceutical investment business just as Rockefeller himself had done a few decades previously with his petrochemical investment business. Now check this out. The Rockefeller cartel and the IG Farben cartel, which was based in Germany, decided to divide the entire globe into interest spheres, the very same crime Rockefeller had been sentenced for 18 years earlier when his trust had divided up the U.S. into quote-unquote interest zones. In 1933, the IG, Fabian Cartel, decided to no longer be bound by the 1929 constraints. They support an uprising German politician who promises IG Farben to militarily conquer the world for them. With millions of dollars in election campaign donations, this politician seized power in Germany, turned the German democracy into a dictatorship, and kept his promise to launch his conquest war, a war that soon became known as World War II. In 1942, in order to cement its global leadership with patent drugs, IG Farbing Cartel tests its patent pharmaceutical substances on concentration camp inmates in Auschwitz, Dachau, and many other sites. So, you guys, these people are fucking straight up evil. Back in the day, World War II, they forced prisoners of war to be their lab rats. Today, they're forcing us to be their lab rats for their fucking clot shots and all of their other pharmaceutical drugs. Have you noticed how many drugs get approved by the FDA then 10, 15, 20 years later get recalled because it's actually killing people and not helping at all? So this is the kind of shit I'm talking about. I can't tell you enough how important it is to do your own research. I remember back in the day when I first hurt my back, they tried to give me Celebrex. I'm like, dude, why would I take Celebrex and not just take ibuprofen, a drug that's safe and effective, and we know that for a fact, and it's been used for decades. Well, Celebrex has now been recalled because it's causing people to stroke out. So I'm telling you, the doctors are controlled by the American Medical Association, who in turn is controlled by politicians. They do not have your best interests or your health in mind. Just look back to the opioid epidemic. You're telling me that all doctors across the United States, all of them were able to just forget everything we've learned about opiates over the last hundred years and, oh, this is different. This one's not going to be addictive. Get the fuck out of here. It was about money, just like it always is. Now, after World War II, all the corporate shares of the IG Farben Cartel went to the Rockefeller Trust and the Rothschild J.P. Morgan UK. So the Nuremberg War Crimes Tribunal, 24 managers from Bayer, BASF, 
Hoist, and other executives of the IG Farben cartel were tried for crimes against humanity. This is what led to the Geneva Convention, that same convention they want to do away with today. Now, just in case you're wondering, at the end of the tribunal, check this out. The IG executives responsible for the crimes in Auschwitz only received a maximum of 12 years in jail. Are like, are you fucking serious right now? They literally tested chemicals on human subjects that were not willing. They literally did surgery with no anesthesia. They did some of the most horrific things that have ever been done to humans in Auschwitz. And these motherfuckers got 12 years. And the Rockefellers got rich. The Rothschilds got richer. It shouldn't be surprising because that's just kind of how our fucking world plays out. But it's absolutely horrifying to know they're doing this now to children. Your kids are literally the test subjects for these clot shots because no kids were in the trials. No pregnant women were in the trials. So right now, all of this stuff being forced on your kids, that's the trial subjects. Make no mistake. So moving on to 1945, the UN was founded in San Francisco. Now, to seize political control of the post-war world, three countries, leading drug export nations, had all the say, and 200 other nations were rendered mere spectators. So check this out. Founded as organizations to allegedly serve the well-being of the people of the world, the UN subsidiary organizations such as the World Health Organization and the World Trade Organization soon turned out to be nothing more than the political arms of the global oil and drug interests. Now moving forward to 1963, on behalf of the Rockefeller interests, the government of the pharmaceutical Banana Republic Germany spearheaded one of the most infamous efforts ever made within the United Nations. Under the pretense of consumer protection, it launched a four-decade-long crusade to outlaw vitamin therapies and other natural, non-patentable health approaches in all member countries of the United Nations. The goal was simply to ban any and all competition for the multi-billion dollar business with patented drugs. The plan was simple. Copy for the entire world what had already been accomplished in America in the 1920s. A monopoly on healthcare for the investment business with patented drugs. It's fucking insidious, you guys, when you actually look into what these people are doing. And unfortunately, most people don't want to fucking take three minutes out of their life to read a little bit of history, but it's so important and it will affect you at some point in your life. If you don't know what's going on in our medical system, I promise you it'll come back to bite you in the ass and it's going to be a bad, bad venomous bite. Now, I'm sure you guys have heard in one context or another that the pharmaceutical industry exists to treat disease, not cure disease. Now, I mean, if this uh, whole criminal organizations that are in charge of our health, the pharmaceutical companies, if they actually eradicated or cured disease, they would be put out of business. So the goal of the global strategy was to monopolize health for billions of people with pills that nearly cover the symptoms, but never seem to address the root cause of disease. These people have basically made a complete black hole when it comes to information about nutrition, vitamins, and natural approaches. 
while at the same time establishing a monopoly with largely ineffective and toxic as fuck drugs. I mean, come on, look at chemotherapy. It's fucking poison. And if you look at the rates of people with cancer and who gets quote unquote cured, it's fucking laughably small. You're literally poisoning your body to try to kill your own body. It's just not a good approach. This has caused disease and death in the millions, genocidal level, you guys. Just look it up. The epidemic of unnecessary disability and death by the pharmaceutical business with disease is unparalleled in history. They kill more people than all governments, all this war, just with their toxic pills. So now we're going to move on to AMA racketeering and its support by government agencies. Though the Department of Justice has filed an indictment against the AMA and its racketeering bosses, almost every other branch of the federal and state governments that act in the domain of medicine is completely dominated by the AMA. Most recent and striking of these illegal delegations of governmental power to a private agency is granting the AMA virtual control of the medical aspects of military conscription. Kind of like they just forced all of our military service members to get that clot shot. The past record of the AMA makes it clear that the power delegated to it by the government will not be used for the promotion of national defense, but will be used to mend the political fences of the association and destroy its enemies, especially all physicians and manufacturers who do not bow to its dictates. Here in California, Doctors can lose their medical license if they are found guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It's such a racket. Who are these politicians to dictate the relationship between a medical doctor and their patients? It's just so ass backwards, it's infuriating. They've been attacking doctors that go against them from at least 1917, when the American Medical Association barred from military service the distinguished physician and surgeon, Professor G. Frank Lidston, of the College of Physicians and Surgeons, by means of records that were later acknowledged to be false, because his attacks on the corruption in the AMA. This further made clear by the decree ordered by the AMA that no physician who was graduated from any school that is not approved by it, no matter how competent and experienced they may be, may receive a commission or service as a physician, and that any such physicians who may be drafted must serve as ordinary privates in spite of the announced shortage of physicians in the service. The same ruling has been decreed and extended by the AMA to graduates of foreign medical schools of the highest rating, you guys. Literally just a racket. They have their grubby little fingers on all aspects of American medicine. And for a doctor to actually come out and speak out against the official narrative, like, for example, Dr. Peter McCullough, He's been ripped to shreds by the mainstream media. He's like, what, the most published cardiologist in the history of medicine? Uh, in the whole world, you guys, not just America. But they were straight up calling him a quack and saying he was spreading misinformation. Like his actual Wikipedia entry calls him a misinformation spreading quack. No shit. 
So now I'm going to tell you about author P.J. Lisa, who was acting as an undercover agent, was able to gain access to the secret files of the AMA's Chicago Department of Investigation under the guise of collecting information to expose mental health quackery. The first three days gave Lisa access to hundreds of photocopies of memos and other documents that launched a 10-year search for answers that proved little about the existence of quackery and alternative medicine, but much about the organized propaganda machine that intended to discredit and destroy all alternatives to drugless medicine and foreign drugs. Lisa found fresh, hard documentation to prove that a quote-unquote totalitarian medical pharmaceutical police state had been organized since 1847, the birth of the AMA, and a conspiracy slowly developed, funded by the pharmaceutical industry and the AMA, to use the insurance industry, the U.S. Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission, the IRS, the U.S. Postal Service, and many other state and federal agencies as pawns in the game of establishing a single medical monopoly. So, Lisa writes, the drug companies don't have to fight against package inserts that would explain the side effects and hazards of medications to the people who take them. The American Medical Association does it for them. Doctors either play down the side effects or conceal them altogether on the grounds that doctor-patient relationship would be endangered. Now, if I had to explain things to the patients, I could never get through my office hours. Or, if patients knew everything these drugs could do, they would never take them. Rather than protecting the patient, the doctor protects the sacred relationship, which relies on ignorance to survive and blind faith. And that was a quote from Dr. Emanuel Josephson. Now, the Rockefellers don't have their grubby fingers just on the medical patient aspect of American medicine, but they also have their grubby little fingers in medical research. Their agents have created the unusual, unhealthy atmosphere that results from their predatory entry into any field. Intensive commercialization and monopoly have become the keynotes of medicine and medical research. Vested interests and frank rackets have been created or enhanced in these fields. Institutional and personal jealousies and commercial rivalries have been intensified by the power acquired by small cliques with funds of the Institute and of other Rockefeller-controlled quote-unquote philanthropies and allied organizations. So now we're going to move up to the 1980s and the most talked about medical phenomena, which was AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Now there have been repeated claims that AIDS is actually a man-made virus, and it seems to have been unknown prior to 1976 when mild traces of it were discovered in African blood banks available and subsequently to the United States during the mid-70s. A possible reference to this or some other created virus appears in the World Health Organization Bulletin, Volume 47, page 251 in 1972, and I quote, An attempt should be made to see if viruses can, in fact, exert selective effects on immune function. The possibility should be looked into that the immune response to the virus itself may be impaired if the infecting virus damages more or less selectively the cell responding to the virus. Carlton Gajewski, National Institute of Health Director at Fort Detrick, noted, In the facility, I have a building where more good and loyal communists, scientists from the USSR, and mainland China work. 
with full pass keys to all laboratories than there are Americans. Even the Army's Infectious Disease Unit is loaded with foreign workers, not always from a friendly nation. So this statement alone feels speculation that such a virus could have been created by alien and unfriendly scientists working in the heart of our own defense laboratories, whether as a plan to decimate our population or as one more step towards ultimate world domination. From 1976 to 1981, AIDS was almost exclusively publicly identified as a disease of homosexuals. Thus, the general population felt no alarm at problems confined to a relatively small group. A few non-homosexuals who came down with AIDS acquired it from public blood banks through homosexuals who had sold their blood. AIDS was then termed the quote-unquote gay cancer by doctors who informed patients that they had the disease. It was usually unmistakable because of large purplish blotches which disfigured the skin. Proof of the presence of Capsi's sarcoma. At this time, many doctors believed the disease originated in the peculiar physical factors of homosexual activity, with considerable evidence pointing to the use of fatty lubricants in rectal intercourse. These lubricants, introduced into the intestinal area in this unusual manner, apparently provided a fertile breeding ground for the onslaught of the infection. The United States government had warnings as early as 1983, when, at a health conference in Washington, D.C., the question was raised by Dr. John Grauerholtz, will AIDS become another bubonic plague? The conference supplied the finding that AIDS can be the harbinger of a series of holocaustal epidemics. Then on September 26, 1985, Dr. William Hayslein of Harvard Medical School reported that an estimated 10 million Africans were now infected with the AIDS virus. However, U.S. government authorities here continued to assure the public that AIDS was limited to four groups, homosexuals, Haitians, IV drug users, and blacks. Hmm. Since most American citizens would never come into direct contact with any of these groups, a fetid sub-underclass which existed in its own twilight world of filth and degeneracy. It seemed that AIDS epidemic would never become a threat to the American middle class. How wrong they were. The government agency, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, the heroes of the Great Swine Flu Massacre, now did their best to keep the American people in the dark as to a possible spread of AIDS. They issued periodic warnings to the effect that AIDS could not be spread by insects. AIDS could not be contracted by kissing, although they did admit that AIDS virus was present in saliva, and other reassurances whose scientific validity seemed to have been taken directly from the pages of a Grimm's fairy tale. Even so, CDC estimated that by 1988, from one to one and a half million Americans would be infected with the AIDS virus. There were already 5,890 members of the U.S. Army who were infected with AIDS. Dr. David Axelrod, Commissioner of Health for the State of New York, solemnly warned that all of those who had AIDS virus were doomed. Seems like 1987, Dr. John Seal of Richmond, Virginia, presided at a conference in which he stated positively that AIDS is not a sexually transmitted disease. It is a contagious disease which also is transmitted in blood. He denounced the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Everett Koop, for deliberately spreading disinformation about the disease, claiming that the joining Koop in this campaign of scientific disinformation were Sir Donald Archson, Chief Medical Officer of the UK, 
Dr. Half Danemar, Director General of the World Health Organization, Dr. Robert Gallo, Director General of the World Health Organization, Dr. Robert Gallo of the National Institute of Health, and Professor Victor Zadnov, Director of the Ivanovsky Institute of Virology in Moscow. There was a concerted effort to lie to the American people about AIDS, you guys. Now, this is not even in conspiracy theory land. This all happened 30 years ago. And if you do your research, you can see the lies they spread about AIDS. Now, think about that for a minute. Think about the lies they've spread over the last two years about Kabobo 19, which is literally just the flu rebranded. Just think about how many times they have lied to the American public. And these lies usually seem to center around making a buck for the pharmaceutical companies. Now, I know I've screamed from the rooftops a million times about the FDA, about the American Medical Association all being in bed together. But when shit happens, when an emergency in your family happens, you are just in a heightened state. It's easy to be pressured into doing something you don't want to do. But if you go into that emergency already knowing these motherfuckers cannot be trusted, if you go into that situation knowing that you're going to have to do your own research to know and do what's best for your relative, that is going to create the best chances for a positive outcome for your loved one stuck in these disgusting people's care. Because I am not saying, you know, if you break your leg, don't go to the hospital. If you're bleeding to death, don't go to the hospital. Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of ways to avoid these people forever. I'm saying go armed with information. Don't be ignorant and don't accept what they tell you. You need to look it up for yourself. These fucking people do not have your best interests in mind. They have money in mind. The doctors are run by administrators who are run by the AMA. It's all a big racket and money is the goal, not the health of the American people. So as always, the fucking moral of the story is be intelligent, do your own research, and try to arm yourself with information. And I know it's hard. It's like, you know, a heightened state of awareness and you're almost on a panic level of worry. But if you do those steps, just doing your own research, you're going to help out your relative more than you could ever imagine. You need to be an advocate for your person in the hospital when they can't advocate for themselves. So guys, think about that. Be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.